Hey, Tish. Happy post-Thanksgiving. Happy post-Thanksgiving to you as well. How was your uh, holiday? It was very good. Very full. Um, We had company... Well, we had a a Friendsgiving-ish sort of thing on Monday. We had company on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, of course, for Thanksgiving. I think we got a day off on Friday, but then we had company again Saturday and Sunday. And these were all like different people. Um, so it was very full. It was very, very good. Mm-hmm. And I'm extremely tired. Still, yeah. It's funny how holidays require so much recovery. Yeah, I feel like I told somebody the other day I need a vacation for my vacation. How about you? Was it good? It was great. Yeah, it was nice not to go anywhere um, other than my aunt and uncles who were like half an hour away. It was weird not to have Tate. She stayed up in Ohio because it's a thousand miles away, which means it's way too far for a quick mm. weekend drive home. And it's too expensive for a quick trip where she would probably have to do some studying anyway. And then she's going to be home in just a few weeks for Christmas. So it was a bummer. But um, she got to have Thanksgiving with a professor's family who she has gotten to know, which is oh. very fun. Uh, they actually are. That's awesome. He's a sibling of someone at our parish. So it kind of. As a has a nice little connection to us. Anyway, all that to say, it That's was good but cool. weird. Yeah. What was your uh, favorite thing that you ate? Hmm. Well, I did a poll on my Substack because I was curious how many people were correct, and I'm glad to see I have a lot of um, right-minded readers because my favorite thing is stuffing, and that mm. won the poll. And I think it's just because. It's weird, meaning like we don't have it the rest of the year, which is kind of goofy because if you like stuffing, you could just make it. It's not that hard. Uh, so it was nice to have my gluten-free stuffing that is actually, I think, tastier than gluten-full stuffing, followed by pie. I just like pie. Mm. To me, it's very Thanksgiving-y. Isn't you don't it the like best? pie? Oh, you do. I couldn't tell with your face. What's your favorite? Yeah, I love pie. I, so um, my son, my oldest son uh, is dating... Uh, young, a young lady, a woman who is um, from another part of the country, and she does not make her apple pies the way we make our apple pies in the South, with like Granny Smith and all the yeah. crusty whatever. Um, it was amazing. It's literally the best pie I've ever had. She uses two different kinds of apples. I can't remember the names of the apples. I had actually never heard of one of the apples, um, which I kind of feel like at forty six, you should have heard of all the apple varieties right. but evidently not and it was amazing it was probably the best thing i put in my mouth wow. the entire week that's yeah. stellar review now because she's not from your neck of the woods does that mean she puts cheddar cheese on it because i know yankees do that some I, no she's actually um from the upper midwest so she's from the dakotas okay. and ah. i don't think that they're that psychopathic up there got it got it yeah i hear it's good i can't fathom it but I like cheese. I like apples. I've just done it. Together. I have done it before and I did it with uh, someone who was from the Northeast and they made me do it. Um, and it was actually, I hate to say this, it was actually very, very good. Weird. All right. I'm just gonna have to trust you. Yeah, but it was weird. You're right. And to all the listeners out there who do cheese and apple pie, I I really need to understand the origins of that because it really, it, it those two things, nary the Twix shall meet. Right, right. I mean, they're both good. They're just not a thing you put together. But hey, you do you. You do you. They're both good. They're not things you put together. And speaking of things <laughs> not normally put together, 
Yeah. I love I love making these segues. They're so much fun. They really typically transition. don't pan out. But I have some things you would normally uh, not put together on a little list I've curate, curated today. Um, I hope that you also have some things you would not normally put together on a little list you've curate, curated. Curated. Why am I saying that word? That's such a weird know. situation that I found <laughs> myself in linguistically. Uh-huh. Um, so let's talk about it. What is the list we are talking about today, Hish? Well, we've done it a lot. Well, I, I say that we've done it a lot. We've done it before where we're thinking of things that we like to read, watch, listen to during Advent, during the holidays. We're all about sacramentality here, which means noticing the thing beneath the thing, finding God in all sorts of ways. And a huge way for me and for you is the arts. And so... And honestly, one of my favorite things about Advent is all the arts available to us. So it's almost too much, right? Uh, you've got the obvious like t- 25 days of Hallmark movies that you could watch. You've got yes, um, all the hokey totally. romance books. I was looking, I literally, for in prep for this, I went to my library app and just searched the, t- the word Christmas for audiobooks. Uh, every single one of them was some sort of romance, small town. I mean, it was just, it's the equivalent of a Hallmark movie in a book form. So there's all these things, but there's really good stuff out there. And there's the obvious things, but maybe there's also some of the not as obvious things. So we're going to talk about a little of all of it today. Potentially. So let's do it. So let's, you want to start with reading? Yeah, let's start with reading. All right. Well, I just published not too long ago on my Substack six reads for Advent. So these are books that I'm going to read throughout Advent, honestly, through the end of the the calendar year. So I'm giving myself a little cushion. And part of the reason I made this like list is because I love Advent. And because like I said already, there's so much rich goodness that we could, you know, mine, but I want to think through it so I don't feel this like overwhelm. The other reason is because it's the start of the liturgical year. And you know how we always tend to make these like goals or resolutions, whatever you want to call them at the start of the calendar year, I kind of was thinking, you know what, I'm going to make me a few like inward formational goals for my liturgical year. So since Advent is the new year, you know, happy new year day. So just starting the year off right. And then um, I just want to get my reading goal, my calendar year reading goal done. So all that to say is I plan to read six. I'm only going to mention two though. So the first one I'm going to mention is, is it's not quite devotional like Shadow and Light, but it is a daily read. Like you just read a little at a time and it's called Winter Fire, Christmas with G.K. Chesterton. So this is a new book oh, that wow. just came out. So there's a filmmaker named Ryan Whitaker Smith. And I don't know much about him, but I feel like our paths would cross with his in terms of like knowing people. He's up in Nashville and he's in that little bubble. So I feel like we would know him in some capacities, two degrees of separation. Anyway, he's collected uh, excerpts from Chesterton relating to winter, Advent, Christmas, and then a little bit of commentary from him. But the thing I really like about it is it also includes a lot of Chesterton's short stories, some art, recipes, like British old world recipes, some funny British games that my son wants to play at least one because it involves fire, uh, stuff like that. It's just kind of this like fun little handbook of Christmas, but it involves Chesterton. So I'm all about that. So that's one of my books. It's called Winter Fire. And of course, I should say all this will be in the show notes. So those of you who want to look into these books and other things, that's where it'll be. So that's my first one. How about you, Seth? What's yours? So a little bit of a setup. 
Um, I'm not really like focusing on, uh, I, I'm focusing on Advent reading, but I'm not focusing on necessarily on Advent themes, which mm-hmm. we'll see as we make our way through. Yeah. Through, but I am looking for certain things. So I was at um, my favorite uh, little place in Goshen, the Orthodox Farmhouse mm-hmm. Brewery, where we yep. spend Your an inordinate place. amount of time. And if you come here, we should we should all go yep. there to our third place. Yep. And I was speaking with a potter's daughter, and I had told her that I was uh, I had just finished the first book um, out of the Silent Planet or whatever the title is that the Lewis Space Trilogy, mm-hmm. and um, and I told her I'd started Paralandra, which is the second book, and it is not. I don't really like the setup is the truth. And no, I get it. so I was kind of griping about the setup. I don't like things where it's like uh, someone goes away and they come back and they tell you the story and then the story is written down. Like it just feels like a cheap mode of storytelling to me. Sorry, yeah. C.S. Lewis no, it's true. and C.S. Lewis fans. Um, I also don't like books where people wake up from dreams at the end. Not mm, my favorite. Yeah. Um, but that said, I was talking to her about this and I was saying, I'm going to stick with it because yada, yada. But, um, you know, I, I don't like the setup. And she said, well, what you need to do is look for Jesus in the book mm-hmm. through the pages of this book. Yeah. Um, and it occurred to me that that is a really worthy exercise during the Advent season when we're supposed to be looking for Jesus. We're waiting yeah. for him. We're talking about his coming and and uh, we're supposed to be watchful. And so I am practicing watchfulness for the Christ type in Paralandra, which then will lead to the second or the actual, it's the third book, not the second book, the third uh, book, That Hideous Strength, which I know literally nothing about. And I don't know if you can look for Jesus in that book, but you we'll can. find out, I guess. You can, so and it's so I'm different. using that as sort of an... <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I like it. I'm using it as an Advent exercise in noticing uh, archetypal Christ figures. I love that. That's a great idea. And actually, that's a great book for that. So I think you'll really enjoy it. It's really so different. I know. We, I feel like we've mentioned this already on an episode when you mentioned that you were reading the Space Trilogy. A lot of people either love or hate the third book. I'm in the love camp. But I can understand why people mm-hmm. who are super into the first two might suddenly not like it because it's so different from the first two. But I'll be mm-hmm. curious what you think. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Cool. What's your second book? My second one. So we are, as a family, just, well, I for sure am reading A Christmas Carol because I do every year and I'm um, roping my boys into that as well. So we'll be reading it together and we'll be doing all the things uh, related to reading it, such as watching movies afterwards. So, but that's not very interesting. That's like, we all do that, or at least you know of uh, the the ritual of doing that. I am also reading this year a new novel, brand new. It's called Christmas Carol, but it's Carol with a K because it's the name of a woman. And yes, it is a twist on the original. Yes, this has been done before. So I'm not trying to sell it as though it's some original idea, but it just sounds really interesting to me. So uh, this is in Faith Moore, the author, this is her first novel. So good on her. I think it's actually really cool. And that's one of the reasons I want to read it just because I like supporting writers who are trying to do their thing, right? But her take on it is that Carol is this lawyer, this high-powered lawyer in big city, forget which one, probably New York. And she is a workaholic mom and she doesn't hoard wealth like Ebenezer Scrooge, she hoards time. And so her whole take on this is, you know, 
I need to save time doing everything. And so in her mind, working long hours, hard hours equals loving her family. And so Marley is her former uh, partner from the law firm who comes and takes her on a the usual past, present, future ghost tour for her to Mm -hmm. learn the things and the things that she learns from what I understand. I haven't started this yet. So this is just purely going on the description plus a few podcast interviews with Faith is that uh, she learns kind of the lies that she's believing about the modern that the modern world tells us regarding time and work. So that's what I'm reading. It might not be super highbrow, but you know what? I kind of am not going for super highbrow during the holidays. I want enjoyable. So that's what I, that's my second book. Yeah, I feel like whenever you're on a break, like a Christmas sort of advent or summer break, I like I feel like the reading should be enjoyable, breezy, light. Like mm-hmm. we read so much during the year that's like yeah. heavy or dark or I mean, whether it's fiction or nonfiction um, or heady. Uh, that when you get to these seasons, like, let's enjoy ourselves and yep. let's not be book snobs. You know what I'm saying? hundred percent. All the book snobs out there, like <laughs> me, stop it. Yeah, like me too. I know. It's true. All right. Well, so those are our reads because you, you mentioned your two in one, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, Seth, I want you to start the – let's do listening. There's a lot to listen to. Tell me Ooh. what what's going to be in your earbuds this Advent. Well, first of all, obviously, just whatever <laughs> Christmas playlist Advi- uh, Apple Music recommends, I'm going to listen yeah. to that. It's what I've been listening to. It's what I love. Mm-hmm. It's not Christmas till you hear Mariah Carey. You know what <laughs> I'm saying? So uh, yeah. I'm listening to a lot of Mariah Carey. Okay. You are? Really? I did not know this about you. 100%. And you ah. know what? I don't even care. On this podcast... Tish, yeah. I have recommended obscure artists, folk artists. I've showed my bona fides. I've talked about classical music. I've probably 100%. talked about jazz. I've tried to to show the breadth and depth of the human musical experience here on this podcast. Yeah, and and again, uh, during the Christmas season, sometimes you just need to take it light and breezy, I get it. and and not so heady and heavy. Just spin that Mariah Carey, man. Put on some uh, James Taylor Christmas <laughs> tunes, Boys yeah. to Men. I love it. No, I, I'm with you there. And sometimes I think people probably put me in this category of being a purist because I talk so much about Advent, but I'm actually with you more than probably most people realize because while I have a certain taste in music and I'm actually a big fan of Advent specific music that largely goes unlistened to because it's just not as well known. I also have a soft spot in my heart for the the hokey, the cheesy. I mean, I, there is a line I cross, I, mostly due to my personal preferences, but no judgment towards others. I'm personally not a fan of Mariah Carey or of Wham or of, you know, whatever, insert well-known pop Christmas song, but you do you. And I'm all for it. Let me just have one caveat here because you brought up Wham. Not, I did not. Yeah. Uh, that is the worst Christmas music of all time. And if you love uh, Last <laughs> Christmas, I Gave You My Heart, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Again, you do you, but I am judging you. Ah, sure. And to me, that's one of the most often played songs in stores. Like I hear it in every store I go to whenever 
Yes. I'm shopping during <laughs> Advent. So I don't know what it is. Like they made some deal with commercial something or other, but holy cow, it's a lot. Yeah. A deal with the devil is what they made. <laughs> right. Right. Uh all right. So was that your first one? Just Christmas music in general or holiday music? That's my first. Remember. It's just a awesome. playlist. I just I love run the it. playlist. Let it roll. I love it. That's great. So what about you? What's your second? All right. So both of mine are going to be from the app Hallow, but I promise this is not a sponsor podcast, although they are welcome to sponsor. And I 100% completely endorse and recommend Hallow because it's such a great app. Uh, but they have a lot of good stuff on there. The first of the two I'm going to mention is they've got a really great playlist by Ben Rector. So it's just, I mean, it's not super long. It's like five or six songs, but it's just Ben Rector Advent Christmas music. And it's really great. And I like Ben Rector. So I recommend that. Uh, they, they've got so much holiday music on there. I'm sure I'm missing other good ones. But that showed up in my my Hallow like, front page. And I'm like, good on you. Uh, Hallow, I like that you're doing this. So that's my first one. The Ben Rector playlist on Hallow. Oh, I like Ben Rector. I yeah. I must say I don't listen to Ben Rector nearly enough. So maybe this is my opportunity. Same. And I do also like Hallow. I yeah. think it's probably the best app. It's my it's probably my most used app. Yeah, I'm actually trying to work on using because you can use it from the internet, like just a web, because I'm, I'm hoping to uh, move away from my iPhone as soon as it breaks. And I'm going to move to a, a dumb phone. And that's the one app that I feel like I would be sad to leave. So for those who are mm-hmm. wondering, you can use it on the laptop. It's, it's maybe not as smooth, but that's okay. That's not the point. But yeah, go hello. All right. What's your second listening thing? Well, I would be lying if I said that my second listening thing that is going to be on heavy rotation is the exact same thing as the first thing. (laughs) But from time to time during the Advent season, you need a break. Mm -hmm. Like there's a point, you know, you can only cram so much Advent and Christmas into one little section. Mm -hmm. And, and on top of that, I, I also play guitar and I lead uh, at our mass, I lead worship at our mass. And so I have to like actually, practice a whole bunch of songs for sure. a midnight mass and I have to practice for, uh, you know, uh, carols for a, a event uh, that we're having hopefully at Orthodox this year. So I, there's a point at which I get, it gets saturated, like sure. super saturated. Yeah. And when that happens, I want something that's Christmas Advent feeling, mm-hmm. but that is not Christmas or Advent. And Isaac bought uh, his, his girlfriend again, um, a record that she was playing at our house uh, for her birthday, which was right after Thanksgiving. And it was um, Louis Armstrong and Ella Fitzgerald. Ooh, I and like I forgot how much I love Louis and Ella together. Yeah. Um, it is wonderful music. It's old school music. And it, it has that feeling of celebration and joy and happiness and anticipation and all the things that you want out of Advent. But it's in a jazz package. It has it. nothing to do with anything spiritual yeah. uh, necessarily other than uh, connection, human existence, love, those sorts of things. Um, and it's just, it's just done in such a pure way that I, I just, I love it. And so it makes me feel very Christmassy. Also growing up, this was the kind of music that my grandparents would listen to. And every um, Christmas after Christmas, we would go visit them and they would put on some old, 
you know, set of jazz standards, typically Louie and Ella or Sarah Vaughn or something like that. And they would dance together and we would, as a family, kind of watch them dance and it was really cute. And so it's the kind of music that reminds me of Advent and Christmas without being Adventy or Christmassy. It's my yeah. break and I love it. I love it. it. That's great. That's a great yeah. choice. Is there a specific album name or is it just all the many songs out there with the two of them together? I don't I have no idea what this album was called. She actually took it back to her to her house. So it's not in my house. So instead gotcha. I just like find again, I just find whatever's on yeah. Apple Music, who's also not a sponsor. Right. And uh although Apple, hey, reach out. Um and I just play it because I oh, love it. I love it. That's great. That's a good choice. Yeah, what I love about that you? Kind What's your music? um Oh, it's great. It's great. What's your next one? So my second one is actually not music. And even though I love Advent Christmas music, this one is, again, like I said, from Hallow. They, this year, are doing, every year they do some kind of Advent, like, a thing, like a, a, you don't see it the rest of the year, like a listening experience through, like, prayer or reading a book together or whatever it is. Well, this year, it is uh, Advent with C.S. Lewis. So mentioning him again. It is just reflections and readings from The Four Loves, Mere Christianity, The Great Divorce, like just some of his best of works. And it is written or it is read by Liam Neeson, who is surprisingly really good at reading C.S. Lewis. I guess it's not surprising. He's got a great voice. It's just surprising to see Liam Neeson on Hallow. You know, it's just kind of one of those, oh, I didn't expect that name there. Um, But it's really good. So the Advent with C.S. Lewis playlist on Hallow is really good. And that's the other thing I'm listening to. That that actually sounds incredible. And also, I have no qualms with listening. I could listen to Liam Neeson read anything anywhere at any time. He's got such a great voice. There's just certain voices like... Liam Neeson, uh, Denzel Washington is another mm-hmm. one of those voices. Like, yeah. read something to me, guys. Yeah, I don't care what it is. No, I love that's it. very true. Yeah, so those yep. are my listens. Uh, okay, where are we at? So, uh, when we're talking about things that we're watching during Advent, I mean, I have an obvious place to start. And I feel like I talk about this every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't care because mm-hmm. if you're not watching, it's a wonderful life during Advent. Yep. You are lifing incorrectly. <laughs> so we're going to watch that at some point. We'll probably save that for, we, we typically do that on like the 23rd or the 24th, those kind of dead days where we're sort of cooking and prepping and that, and we'll put it on in the background and we'll all, we'll all watch it and, and uh, get teary at the same place that I always get teary. And I don't understand why? Like, I know it's coming. So mm-hmm. why do I get so emotional about this movie? Um, and I am not like the rest of the world that really grew up on It's a Wonderful Life. You know, most yeah. people are like, I watch it every year because this is what my family did growing up. Amber and I probably didn't watch it until we were in our mid or maybe even late 20s, mm-hmm. maybe even early 30s. That's when we started watching it. And now we watch it every year. And the boys love it. It's become part of their Christmas ritual. Um, and so, yeah, I will definitely, I will definitely be watching that and I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, I remember you mentioning this last year and, uh, it, it is very true. This for me is a childhood watch that I'm so glad my kids grew up on as well, because it is, I would say inarguably the best Christmas movie. And I would, it's in my top 10, just movies, not just holiday movies. So I for sure watch it. We tend to watch it either the 23rd or 24th as well. For us, it, uh, we 
wait to watch it with my dad because it's my dad's all-time favorite movie. And I've, mm-hmm. I've mentioned this to you before. He he has a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like He used to invite people over and they would do like It's a Wonderful Life trivia and make it a whole thing. Um, so he's he's very into it. But uh, we're not doing – we don't go that hardcore anymore, but we do watch it collectively. And the reason you tear up, even though you know it's coming, is because it captures the middle-age angst of um, a noble – father and community member like nothing else it it oh. it ties it, it threads that needle of what it's like to want to want the right thing and yet you're just yeah. still just wrestling with your own personal desires and what does that mean to live a good life because because i think that feels more and more true the older we get that's so true. And also, do I do you need to bill me for that? That was like a good therapy <laughs> session right there. Just like a 30 second, like yeah. if you want to send me a bill, I'm All happy right, to I pay will. you. Yeah. I'm happy to have some more money for okay. Christmas. Yeah. All right. What's your what's your next one? All right. My next one Or your first one, I guess. That's true, your first, first one, I guess. Yeah, my first one. We have, like I've said before many times on the show, a chalkboard full of book of movies. And we just recently added all our holiday specific ones. And they're all the classics that you know that I know. So I'm not going to belabor them, uh, including It's a Wonderful Life, plus probably, I don't know, at least 15 more. So those are all the ones we watch. But I want to mention two things that or maybe more of an encouragement for other people. The first one is we want to rewatch the first few seasons of All Creatures Great and Small. And the reason is because the, the next season, season four comes out January 7th of the following year. And so for us, it's been a while. It's, you know, one of these British shows that takes like years between seasons, it feels like. So it's been a while, but all five of us absolutely love the show. And there's some really great Christmas episodes in it. And so it feels holiday centric. If if anything, it it pulls that thread of kind of like what you're saying with Louis Armstrong and Ella Fitzgerald uh, when it comes to a viewing thing. It feels cozy. It feels as it should be. Um, really great storytelling, beautiful scenery, music, acting, plot, small British village, the whole works. And so it feels Christmassy, even if it's not purely Christmas. So we're going to be rewatching that. I think it's on PBS for anybody. And it's so good. It's so good. It's really good. I've not watched that yet. Need to watch it. Yeah. Want to watch it. You guys would love it. it. You guys would love it. I think. Yeah, uh, we will. Yeah, you should. All right. What's your second thing? This is going to come a little bit out of left field, but hang with me. Vikings. The original Vikings. Yeah. It's on Hulu. Okay. Um, And so this kind of goes back to the Paralandra comment. So we started watching Vikings and... um. Season one was fine. It wasn't great. I got to be honest. You got to stick with it because season one was meh. Season two has been very, very good. Um, and there is a character arc in there, and it is a English monk who is kidnapped and turned into a Viking slave. Hmm. Um, and I won't give it away, but in season two, he begins to really wrestle uh, with the idea of God versus the gods. Hmm. And 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 at the same time, the protagonist is sort of wrestling through God versus the gods. And so it's a really fascinating look at how different cultures viewed and historically viewed um, sort of religious practice in their own lives or the absence of religious practice in their own lives. Um, 
And so what I'm trying to do as I watch this is, is see, is there a redemptive arc to that character? There's already been a redemptive arc to the protagonist's, protagonist's brother, which was really interesting. And so you can kind of see some Christ figure, redemptive figure, you know, type and shadow type stuff there. Um, but I'm really watching uh, this ex-monk to see um, what does he end up doing? Uh, with Jesus, and I think that's ultimately the question of of Advent, right? Is what are you going to do with Jesus? You can ignore Jesus, you can uh, visit Jesus in the manger and adore him. Um, uh, you can ultimately follow him into you know the season of of uh, Lent and Easter and resurrection and and redemption and all those things. But you have to make a choice, right? At mm-hmm. some point, you have to make a choice, and so. I am watching Vikings to see how that choice plays out and using as a reminder to me that, hey, you have to make a choice. Mm. Like every day, you have to make a choice. And what's the choice you're going to make? So um, I know that's a little out of left field, but that's what I'm doing. I love that idea, actually. We watched The Last Kingdom a while ago, and then it got really violent and and gory for obvious reasons. But I am fascinated by that time period. I don't think you and I have actually gotten a deep dive into this yet, but I'm reading a, a great book on church history right now. And I am in that mm. time period, the, you know, the medieval period, basically, and the time when Christendom was becoming a thing, yet there were still pagan tribes surrounding it. And what did that look like? And I find that all so fascinating. On top of that, the G.K. Chesterton book I mentioned at the top of this episode, the excerpt I read today, he was talking about, uh, you know, the the common argument how Christmas was just basically co-opted from these pagan rituals of the past. And Chesterton makes the argument of like, no, it wasn't, not really. But you know what? Even if it was, so what? Because he argues it's easier for a pagan to become a Christian than a modern day humanist. And so he actually, he talks about the Vikings and the Druids and these old tribes from that time because they believed in the metaphysical world. They believed that there was something unexplainable and this is pre-scientism. And so he he makes a pretty compelling argument that there there is a lot in common, he says, actually with with the pagan uh, belief system and Christianity. And I think that's really kind of cool to think about. So that move that series sounds up my alley. Do you watch it with the boys? No, heck no. Okay. I would assume <laughs> not. It's pretty pretty gory. Yeah, it is not, you know, in the last kingdom there were there were some sexy times that you had to kind of right. uh get past. That is not really in, in it was a history channel show, so it's not really present in um okay. at least so far in in this series, but it's pretty it's pretty gory. And yeah. and the themes are like pretty adult and also like there are some themes in there where I'm like, well, I mean raises some good questions about Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't know that that's the right format for someone whose faith is sort of developing as much. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, we're not watching it with the kids, but I am rather enjoying it. Nice. Nice. I like it. So what's your next one? All right, my last one. And this is not going to apply to just but a few local people, except the the idea applies to us broadly. Uh, we are going to walk a few blocks away to our 
Town Theater, our Palace Theater is what it's called. It's an old school from the 1920s community theater that's still up and running. And they are doing a Christmas Carol the Musical. And so we are going as a family to watch it because we want to support local theater and because it's fun. And so my my encouragement to everyone listening is do something local this year. So I don't know whether that's your Handel's Messiah, your Nutcracker, your school play, of kids dressing up and, you know, with their bad acting and singing or, you know, symphony stuff, go watch some hokey, whatever it is, do something in your community, go watch the arts and because they're everywhere, like your community does have something. So go do that. Even if you don't think it's up your alley, you might be surprised how much you like it. And even if you don't like it, you then went out of your house and supported your the place where you live. And I think that's a huge, huge thing for us to do. So that's my, my final one. Um, Seth, do y'all have any sort of like local ritual kind of thing that y'all go see or do? Not typically we, you know, uh, one year we did the nutcracker cause it kind of comes through every year at the Walton art center mm-hmm. and it was fine. Um, <laughs> but it was just fine. Yeah. And so for us, I think probably, it's going to be more in line with, you know, either uh, hosting at our house or at the brewery, um, this sort of carols night for the community. Um, So again, it'll be a little bit of listening and singing and watching and all of those things. But um, yeah, that's what we'll do locally outside of obviously the church. I think it's a great idea. And, you know, point taken, because some of these things can also be really expensive. I looked into the Nutcracker this year for us. I used to go every year because, you know, I was into ballet. And so I'd go to Ballet Austin's. Um, Our family, for the nosebleed seats, for the five of us to go, would cost over $600. And I'm like, no, I don't love the Nutcracker that much. Uh, So find something free. You 100% do not have to spend a dime going to something local. Uh, Something like what you're talking about is perfect. I think it's a great idea. I think that's part of the problem, if we could uh, Hmm. get meta for a minute, that's part of the problem with really everything that, not everything, but much of what we've been talking about is if you don't have the books, it costs money. You know, if you don't have the subscriptions to watch the shows, then you have to buy the subscriptions. If you want to go see something local, a lot of times you have to buy the tickets. And I, I think there's a piece of that that is so hyper commercialized that we like everything else is so commercialized that we feel like, Oh, that's not really a big deal. It's just another little thing. It's not tons of money to buy a book or to get two months of a subscription to Hulu or whatever. Um, But I think your point is really well played in a season where we're supposed to be keeping our eyes on the poverty in a manger. Mm -hmm. It can be really easy to forget um, and to commercialize everything, including you know, taking your whole family to the Nutcracker for an experience that would undoubtedly be amazing. Um, but then the questions kind of start to roll: like, what could I, what could I do for free, and where could I apply that money? Otherwise, and no judgment one way or another if you decide to go or not go, but it's just yeah. a thing to keep sort of on the radar, so to That's speak. Right. That's right. Yeah, I think this it really has to do with an internal um, consideration for each family, each situation, because. Everyone's different. Everyone's got their different things. We, for one, have a kid in college who is flying back home, and that is where I would rather channel my money than going to some uh, performance, which I am all about. But um, instead, we're doing kind of a meet in the middle. So this community theater rendition of A Christmas Carol, which I'm sure will not be perfect, but it'll be very fun. And so that's, that's yep. how we're making it work. I'm I'm looking forward to that for you. 
Cool. All right. Well, that is about it. Normally we end with the things we're loving and adding more beauty, but we just kind of gave like six or eight or however many we did. So that's a lot of things, adding beauty. And we've got one more chat that we're going to enjoy before the new year. But in the meantime, we're almost at the end of 2023. And that is bonkers to me. That is just wild. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode. I'm Tish Oxenrider with Seth Haynes. You can find all our episodes at drinkwiththefriend.com, where you can also help support the show by picking up the next round of drinks. Because remember, guys, this is free for you to listen to, but it's not free for us to make. Thank you in advance for those of you who do that on the regular. Really appreciate it. You can find me and all my stuff at tishoxenrider.com. Seth, where can people find you? SethHaynes.com. And then go to Substack. I say it every week. And some of you have done it. And I love you all. I love all of you. All right. Well, and for all of that and more, you can head to the show notes of this episode. Kevin McLeod did the music. Kyle Oxenrider did the editing. Seth and I did the talking. We will be back here with one more chat for the year soon. In the meantime, thank you so much for being here. 